Speaking in front of an audience is one of the fastest ways to grow your business. I should know. It's been the foundation of my business development strategy for over 30 years. Even in a pandemic, speaking to groups of people is critically important because it enhances your credibility, it expands your visibility, and it allows you to differentiate yourself from everyone else who does what you do. However, speaking is the number one fear people have within their own personal lives. Forget about the business world. The Gallup organization, you know them from the Gallup poll, they do a survey every year and they ask business leaders what they're most concerned about. Over the last 20 years, their number one concern has been a terrorist attack. The number two concern behind terrorist attack is speaking in front of a large group of people. We've got the remedy for that for you on this show today. My guest today is Doug Stannard. He's the founder and CEO of one of the largest and fastest growing training companies in the world, the Leaders Institute. He's a best-selling author of the books, Fearless Presentations, and Mastering Presentations. And he's also the host of the popular High Impact Leaders podcast. Doug is gonna share with us today how you, a business leader, can use speaking to grow your business. Not only that, but he's also gonna help you overcome that fear, the thing that's been looming, hanging over you, and preventing you from growing your business rapidly. Join me for this episode of the Inside BS Show where Doug Stannert takes us inside the BS associated with your fear of public speaking. Hey, Doug, we're scared. Help us. Welcome to the show. <laughs> yeah. Man, I'm kind of, after that introduction, I'm kind of terrified now myself. I may not live <laughs> up to that, man. Wow. Cool. We're all, we're all scared. Uh, Doug, welcome. It's great to have you here. Tell me, uh, tell me a little bit about how you became the guy who gets rid of people's fear of speaking. Yeah, it's funny because a lot of times folks will say, God, man, I want to do what you did. I want to, you know, grow this big, huge company and and that kind of thing. I'm like, man, you would not want to go the route that I did. I mean, I, I made every mistake possible, um, which is kind of cool now because now that I've made a lot of those mistakes, I can keep other people from making those same mistakes as well. But the way I actually got into doing training, I didn't set out to be a, a public speaker or a coach or even a speaker. I, just, I, I didn't set out to do any of that kind of stuff. I, I just wanted to be a, a business guy. I went to school, went to college, got a degree in the oil business. Um, I was one of the first people in my in my family to to get a college degree and and, you know, because we're all, you know, I come from a pretty poor kind of part of, of um, rural Arkansas. So when I, I I got my first break, though, when I was in college, I got this internship with Atlantic Richfield, huge Fortune 500 company. I think they were like 13 on the Fortune 500 list at the time. I think they've kind of dropped down a little bit now with the tech companies. But but at the time, that that was like, oh, my God, I, I can get in the ground floor of working for this big, huge company. And at the end of the summer internship, I had to, to drive into Dallas and give a presentation to um, not only, you know, the other interns, but but my boss and my boss's boss and their bosses and their boss's bosses. And then some of the vice presidents from Bakersfield came in and I didn't really 
I wasn't really worried that much about it until I actually got into the room. I got into the room and all of a sudden I was one of the, I was the only person in the entire room that didn't have a jacket on. And the reason why I didn't have a jacket on is I didn't own a jacket at the time. You know, I was 20 years wow. old. I, yeah. I didn't, I had a tie, you know, that I, that, you know, one of my friends had pre-tied for me like three months before that, you know, but. So I, I felt like I was pretty underclassed in this room anyway. And when I got up to give my speech, I was so nervous. I talk pretty fast anyway, but, but when I get nervous, I talk really fast. So I had this 15 minute prepared speech all laid out. I didn't forget anything, said every single word, but I finished in about three and a half minutes and then just sat down because I didn't have a good ending. So when I ran out of things to say, I just kind of sat down and it was funny because it was like dead silence in the room and it felt like the silence was. It, it felt like it lasted like 30 minutes. It was probably only a couple of seconds before the, the woman who was in charge of the intern program kind of stood up and, and sent us to a break. But I was just mortified because I was thinking, you know, out of, out of, um, I, I kind of missed an opportunity. I had an opportunity there to kind of showcase what I had done for the company over the, over that internship. And based on the way that I presented myself, they probably didn't see me as a really valuable asset to, to that company. And so I didn't, I, I, I I did. I, I instead of just kind of giving up at that point, I was like, I gotta fix this. There's gotta be some some way to to kind of get better at this at this skill. So I started reading books. I started. I actually joined a Toastmasters group. I took a class in college. You know that kind of all, all that all the stuff that most people do, and nothing seemed to work. You know, in fact. Um, when I, when I went through the class in college, I think I went, I, I think I came out of that more nervous than what I went in because the technique that they were using was the, 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 the woman who was teaching the class would let us get up and present and then she would critique us. She'd tell us what we were doing wrong and then, you know, how to fix it. And so every time I got up in front of the group, I, 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 I was failing, you know, she was telling me how I failed. Um, when I graduated from school though, Still in the oil business and, and the price of oil was pretty low at the time. So I could kind of see the handwriting on the wall that since I was the last guy that got hired by the company that I was working for, that when layoffs occurred, I was probably going to be the, one of the first people out. So I was looking for a career change and I ended up finding a coach in, in Midland, Texas of all, of all places. She was a professional speaker doing leadership training and stuff like that. And she kind of took me under her wing. I went through uh, some of her training and her training was quite a bit different. What she did was, um, she would, she would teach a skill and then she would show us how to do it. She would actually model that, that skill and then, uh, and then let the people in her classes kind of practice it. And then she would coach us while we were doing it. So th I think that the thing about the way that she was teaching us to, to, um, gain the skill, public speaking, leadership, that kind of stuff was that she was making sure that we didn't fail in the first place. And then once we did succeed, she told us how we succeeded. And then we kind of built on, she started small and kind of built on that. And it was such, it was so effective that I think about, it was probably about four weeks or so, six weeks after I started co starting the coaching sessions with her. Um, I, I quit my job, went into sales, had zero experience as a sales guy, but within, you know, six months, I was the top sales guy at the, at the new company I was working for. New industry, new career, new everything, and, and kind of rose up to the top. And I did so well that the company made me their sales manager. And I was making more money in my bonus check at the end of that first month as a manager as to than what I made at the, at the, the oil company that I left, you know? So I went back to this woman and said, Hey, this stuff really works. This is some pretty good stuff. And, uh, and she kind of, like I said, she, she, I, I think she felt sorry for me more than anything else. Cause I was so, I, I had, I, I, she kind of knew me before I had kind of made that change, you know? And, uh, but she did, she kind of took me under her wing, kind of taught me a few of those things. And, and I, like I said, I trained with her for, 
couple years before moving to the, the, the big city and kind of doing that. And that's, how, that's actually how I got into training. I, it just changed my life so much that, that I wanted to go out and help other people. So I, I came about it from the backwards way. I think I don't think most, most people that are good speakers or good presenters, they, they kind of see themselves as being a good speaker or a presenter and, and make that a career. Whereas I, I, I was horrible at speaking. <laughs> I made myself a good speaker. And I think that's that, I think that's what makes it a little bit easier for me to kind of coach people along the way too. Now, when you, when you first started out, did you have, did you have a fear? It seems like, it seems like you took to it. You just needed a methodology. Did you have a fear when you first started out or was it just, you just didn't know how to do it? Well, it's funny because I, I, what I've figured out, and it's the same with me and the folks that I've been training over the last 25 years or so, what we tend to find is that anytime that we do something new, anytime we're practicing any type of new skill, there's going to be some type of nervousness in that, in that new skill. I mean, it could be anything. I mean, I remember the first time I got a smartphone and I downloaded something free from the app store. You're like, is that really free? I'm not sure if that's free, you know? And so there's a little bit of hesitation there, but once you practice that skill and you have what you perceive to be is a success, your confidence will tend to grow. If you have what you perceive to be a failure, then your confidence shrinks. And so what, what happened with me is that before I took, before I did that presentation at Arco, I, I mean, I would get nervous, but it wasn't debilitating. It wasn't anything that was going to keep me from, from speaking in front of a group. After that, though, I started questioning everything. I'm like, God, man, maybe I'm just not good at this. I started to question my, my confidence and my, and my self-esteem kind of dropped. And so, and I think that happens to a lot of people. They'll, they'll be put in a position where, they're, they have to, you know, maybe they're on a, like today, one of the things I'm hearing most often today is that folks are kind of on a Zoom call or a, or a, a, an online meeting and they're not really comfortable with the technology. They're not really comfortable with, with getting people to, to chit chat or interacting with folks vir, uh, virtually. And then their boss is on the call as well. And they're afraid that they're going to look, look like a, a, an idiot in front of the boss and all that kind of stuff. Right. So, so those kind of things kind of click in a lot and, and tend to cause more of that nervousness. So if you find yourself in one of those situations, kind of like I did, where you have that, that, that instance, that, that trigger that causes the nervousness, you have to replace that that trigger with a series of more positive things. And sometimes you might have to have two, three, four successes after that to kind of overcome it, which is what I had to do. Yeah, no, that's such a good point. I, one of the things that I tell myself all the time is that everybody wants me to succeed, right? I'm going, I'm not going up in front of the room to be ridiculed. This is not a stoning, right? This is not biblical where people want to just murder me because I'm up there. They came to hear what I have to say. They want me to do a good job. They want to get value out of this. And they're even willing to help me if I, you know, if I need help. So, you know, as far as that goes, that helps me with uh, with the overcoming what's going on in the audience. What do you do if you're intimidated by people who are who are in the room? So I remember, uh, you know, one time I, I had been speaking for years and years and years, and uh, I had a I had a pitch that I was delivering. It was a sales pitch, but it was supposed to be for mid-level folks in the company, right? Right. And I'm in there, all my stuff is working. The, you know, technology adds a nice degree of difficulty. So I'm checking the technology ahead of time. Everything's working. I feel good. I'm about ready to about ready to start. Uh, the, the woman who is my contact is ready to convene the meeting. The door opens and in walks the CEO 
you know, it's a Fortune 500 company. The CEO walks in. I had no idea he was going to be there. I didn't even know he knew who I was, right? So all of a sudden, everything that I, all the confidence that I felt, it was like the blood draining from my face. The confidence just oh, yeah. drained right out of me. I'm like, oh, man, the stakes for this presentation just went way up. Yeah. What do you do when you're normally not fearful, but all of a sudden somebody shows up in the audience and it could even be something as simple as like a parent or a friend or a sister or your brother, right? What do you do when the audience, per there's one person in the audience who's just intimidating you and you just got to get past that? Right. I, I, that is one of the most common things that we hear when, when folks kind of come through our public speaking classes or, or coaching sessions. That's one of the most common things that we hear. And, and in fact, we hear that a lot where... I don't normally get nervous, but if my boss is on the is on the call, or if my boss is in the meeting, then man, now all of a sudden the the um, the nervousness kind of kicks up. So one of the things that just to kind of go backwards a little bit and talk about why that occurs is that the the more intense the risk, the more nervous that we're going to be. So a good analogy would be like, let's say that you're going to uh, do skydiving or something like that. Right. I mean, you can do all the training in the world, but the moment that you jump out of the plane, even with all the training that you've had, that the risk of, of death is imminent. So I don't care how skilled you are. The very first time that you're going to do that, you're going to be very nervous. And so when if you happen to be in one of those situations where the risk is higher, like the, the CEO is in the room or something like that. It, you you have to basically kind of deal with that that nervousness, have courage, you know. So the nervousness is going to be there. there. There's no way you can stop it, right? But what you can do is, if you can perform well, now you have an opportunity to to shine. And then once that is over, you kind of look back and say, okay, what did I do there? How did I capitalize on that opportunity? And if you don't felt like you capitalized on it as well as what you could have, you're looking for the positives. Okay, what can I do next time? I'm going to get another shot at that. So what's the next time? What, I mean, what do I do the next time? So basically it's, it's a mental game more than anything else. But the, the thing that helps a lot is if you've had training in the past, if you, uh, if you know that you are skilled at that thing, even if something out of the ordinary occurs, the nervousness isn't going to be as high. The risk isn't going to be as high. So like going back to the skydiving example, if you've done a lot of ground training and you've packed your own chute and you know it's, you know that whole thing is, is you've lowered the risk of failure pretty dramatically, then you're still going to be nervous, but you'll still be able to perform. Right. Whereas sure. if you haven't done any of that preparation, if you haven't done any prep whatsoever, and now you have to jump out of a plane, I don't care how strong willed you are. I don't care how mentally strong you are. You're, you're going to be terrified, right? So, so preparing for that in advance and having the skills really help a lot when you're, when you, when you're put into one of those uncomfortable situations. No, that's terrific. I, I completely agree. My, my son is uh, 12 now and he's been doing mixed martial arts since he was seven. Oh, awesome. Um, and his, his teacher is, uh, is a, you know, is a black belt in, uh, a th fifth degree black belt in Kempo and, a, a second degree black belt in jujitsu. And nice. his philosophy is when, you know, when you're under pressure and he's a former military guy, when you're under right. pressure, you know, you default to the level of your training. So he would rather have the kids learn. He has adults too, but my son is a kid. Right. He'd rather have the kids learn to do you know, two or three techniques perfectly so that right. they can defend themselves and run away if they have to, rather than learn 30 techniques just superficially. Is it similar in your, in your training when it comes to, when it comes to speaking? 
Absolutely. And not only is it similar, it's exactly the same. Basically, you know, like in, in martial, by the way, just so you know, I'm a, I'm a black belt in karate. I'm also a black belt in, in jujitsu as well. Just oh, got fantastic. my jujitsu black belt just like two weeks ago. So right in the oh, middle of the congratulations, man. I know, yeah, I know how hard that, I know how hard that oh is God. that, you it's know, a, he told, uh, decade. The, <laughs> yeah, the, 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 his, my son sensei told him, listen, you know, you started when you were seven, probably by the time mm-hmm. you're 20, 21, you'll be able to get your black belt in one discipline. So right. he was like, you know, he's, he's in it for the long haul. So fantastic. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, so it is the same. Yeah. Tell, tell us about the similarities. How is it similar? Right. Okay. So, so like, for instance, one of the things that we'll do to, in order to help people gain confidence in, in speaking, it's very similar to the, the, I, I mean, like even back to my early days doing karate, I mean, the, the first thing they teach you to do is a front punch and you do that 2000 times. Oh, and then you do it another 2000 times, you do it another 2000 times. And then, you know, and, and so basically they're teaching you kind of the basic things. Well, it's, it, we, we don't have to go through that much uh, repetition with public speaking, but basically what we do in public speaking is, is we, we put, we, we give somebody a, a very simple skill, how to introduce yourself, by the way, right? So it, it's a 30 second presentation. Most people get really uncomfortable with it because we have to talk about ourselves. We're not sure exactly what we're supposed to be saying, that kind of thing. And we give them just a little bit different way, a, a little bit different than what most people do. Like for instance, um, like most people, when they introduce themselves, they kind of, they, they give accolades about all the different things that they've done. Like what we teach people how to do is to focus on the, the, the customer, the person who you're speaking to, the audience, right? What do, what problem do they have that you can solve? And let's introduce ourselves as somebody who can solve that problem. If they have a problem and you can solve it, introduce yourself as being able to solve that problem, right? So basically we teach them how to do it. Then we do it as the instructor or as the coach. And then uh, we give them some time to kind of prepare and then have them do it and coach them so that they, they, they um, get really good at that thing. And then we add something else to it. So we get, we add something a little bit more difficult to that, let them succeed there and then add something a little bit more difficult and let them succeed there and then add something a little bit more difficult. So every step along the way, we're adding, we're, we're making the, the presentation a little bit more complicated. So like, for instance, if we're going to do two days of coaching with somebody, the, the first presentation is only going to last, you know, 30 seconds. But by the end of the, the second day, they're going to be speaking for 10 or 15 minutes on a presentation that they probably spent 30 minutes or so organizing. And they, and then at the end of it, they go, holy cow, I can't believe I did that. Now all of a sudden they've had a series of successes. So they had a series of eight or 10 successes in a, in a very short period of time. So even if they've had one of those situations where the CEO walked in the room and they, they kind of panicked, they're now replacing that negative instance in their brain with something that's a, that, that with a, a series of more positive results. And that's where the confidence starts to, to come. Now, the thing that I think surprises a lot of people though, when they go through this process is that they think that, Oh my God, I just, because they walk out of the, uh, out of a, a training session with a coach and they're, they're like on cloud nine. They're like, man, my confidence is huge. And then they get up in front of the next, the next group, the first group where now the coach is not there and they expect that the nervousness is going to be gone. And they go, Oh, all of a sudden that nervousness kind of kicks in again. And at, that's kind of the moment of truth. Are, are they going to put that stuff into practice? And if they put it into practice and they succeed, they, they look back on that, on that, that new instance and they go, 
holy cow, I just hit that one out of the park. That was much better than anything ever done. Their confidence soars. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's um, going back to like a like a the analogy I like to use in in class is you know, like learning to fly an airplane. You know, like your first mm-hmm. solo. You know, like like that that. You, you may have spent months training to to be a pilot, but the first time that the flight instructor is no longer in the seat next to you and you have to do it by yourself, you're going to be terrified. But all it takes is one circle around the airfield and come in for a nice soft landing. And all of a sudden, the second time they do it, the confidence just soars. And that's really where the the, the confidence comes from. But it is. It's very, very similar to the, the uh, experience I've had with martial arts and it's got to start small, get really, really good at doing a few simple things and get so good at those things and do those so much better than everybody else that people start to see you as the expert. That's the other thing, by the way, that um, is important about when when the higher up in the room kind of walks in or there or that you've got a lot on the line. It, by the way, that that nervousness thing that you were talking about where the CEO kind of walks in the room, that's not the only kind of situation. Uh, like, for instance, I do a lot of training with high level sales teams where they're. The, like a, uh, we, we call them shortlist presentations. They've made it to the shortlist and they're one mm-hmm. of maybe four or five different companies that are going to be competing for a big contract. Sure. And I mean, if, if you've got millions of dollars on the line, that's a, that's a very nerve wracking experience. You do well, you got a shot at getting a huge contract. If you don't do well, you can guarantee you're not going to get it right. So a lot is on the line. So that same high level nervousness, that same panic can kind of set in and in those situations as well. So basically what we do is we kind of go in and, and train them so that when they, when they actually are in front of the real group, the, the, the audience is, is there, it, the, the second nature kind of kicks in just like in the martial arts, right? We, we don't, you don't have, you don't want to have to think about blocking a punch. <laughs> right. If you have to think about it, if you have to think about it, you just got hit in the face, right? right so right. it has to be an instinct it has got to be, it's got to be a reaction. And so that's why drilling the, the simple stuff over and over and over again and becoming an expert that works so much better. Yeah. So let's, let's talk about the opposite now. And when, it, what I mean by the opposite is I, I'll, I'll give you, I'll tell you a, a quick story um, about a situation I was in. And one of the things that is, uh, is a big challenge for me as a speaker years ago, um, years ago, my business was, my business was doing okay. I think I probably was on my own maybe for a year and a half and I was doing remarkably well for somebody who was on their own for a year and a half, but it wasn't, it wasn't going to the level I wanted it to. And I got an invitation to speak in front of an intimate group. Uh, I think it was 35 total people. Uh, it was a weekend invitation in Vegas. And the deal was I was going to do an opening presentation. They were going to have a meeting and then I was going to close the group. But in between there was free time and they were going to allow me to do one-on-one sessions with people in between. Um, And they paid me a little bit. They didn't pay me my full rate, but the deal was it was a sales opportunity for me. So this, this presentation, this opportunity was uh, it was a watershed moment for my business because Every one of these people was a qualified prospect. They had money. They had more money than they needed in order to hire me. They had problems I could solve, and they had the ability to make a decision. They were all the man. They were, this was a law firm thing. They were all managing shareholders of their firms. So I prepared weeks in advance. I ran through the presentations over and over again. I studied everyone's bio. I sent them material in advance. I did everything the way it needed to be done. The opening presentation was great. The closing presentation was like the speech of my life. 
And oh. I doubled my business as a result of spending that weekend in Vegas. And it was an incredible nice. high. The pressure, the adrenaline really led me to perform at a very high level. So what do you think yeah. happened? The very next presentation I gave, I went right in the tank, right in the toilet. Horrible. Because it was huh. a low profile, you know, probably one or two people qualified to work with me in the room. I just couldn't get... You know, it, it was like the sports team that wins the big game and then the next night they have to play the last place team and they get crushed, right? Right. So in, you know, in that instance, we have to figure out ways to get ourselves up for both the big, the big deal and the small deal, but you don't know who's in that room. Like Joe DiMaggio right. said, right? I give 100% right. every time I'm out on the field because somebody may be coming to see me for the first time. So how do we get up for the, the Rotary Club presentation where there might be our next million dollar client in the room? Yeah, I, it, it's, it is one of the tougher things. It's funny because um, let me give you two sides of this, right? I, I'm going to give you, I'll give you what is supposed to happen the joe dimaggio mm -hmm. um, thing and i'll also give you the um the um the thing that i found that actually works better in those situations right and, and it also makes your company grow much faster as well so so obviously the, the the motivational speaker in me which like i said i'm not really a motivational speaker but but you know i, I kind of play one on tv every once in a while but the motivational speaker in me will will say hey you have to treat every you don't know who's going to be in that room so you you want to spend as much time preparing for the small one as what you did for the big one in all fairness, though, I mean, we don't we have to we have to figure out what's the best use of our time. Right. So I tell you what we what I what I did that kind of helped the Leaders Institute grow over the years is that um, in in the early years, probably in the first three or four years of the Leaders Institute, I was doing everything. I mean, I had a couple of instructors that were with me, but it was almost like we had three separate kind of companies. And and I was I was doing I was doing the sales, I was doing the marketing, I was doing the instruction, all that kind of stuff. And uh, where where the growth of the company really started to to explode was when I started to bring on other people that had potential and to so that I could train them to do what I was doing, right? Because um, it, after I did, you know, if I did one of those big things like you're talking about where you hit it out of the, the ballpark, if I go back to a, a smaller one, that's not going to excite me as much. But right. it has to be done. We have to have we got to be able to build the, the, you know, put people into our funnel so that we're able to to build the the the, um, the clientele, continue to build the clientele that we that we have. Right. So that's where, and that's what law firms do. I mean, you're working with law firms, you know, they don't send the, the managing partner out to do the stuff that the associate can do. Right. So basically that what we started doing was I started using those as like the training ground and I might go and do one of those myself um, to train somebody else to, to do it. But then eventually I kind of turn that over to the, to the, the next level down and let them kind of go through the growing process. That way, by the time that they, that a newer instructor that works for me kind of gets to the point where he, she, he or she has done 20 of those, 30 of those, 50 of those, a hundred rotary club meetings, you know, whatever it is that, that they're doing, then, um, then they're going to be more skilled when they get into the bigger group. So I'm, I'm training the next generation. So that those are two different answers. The, 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 the Joe DiMaggio answer is the one that I really want to believe that we'll do, but logistically, you know, you you'll, you'll get better results if you do the second one, I think anyway, yeah. that's from a business owner perspective of, in me anyway.
Yeah, I can't tell you how many times I've I've beaten people up because they they uh, they'll schedule their own. They have their own event, right? And they right. they kill themselves marketing their own event, and their you know their their marketing their marketing is not like overwhelmingly sophisticated. They maybe send out one or two emails to people, and instead of getting the hundred people they thought they were going to get, they get three, and right. they want to cancel or they do cancel the event. I go right. nuts when I hear my clients do that because I've had the experience and I'm sure you have too, where those three people, they all end up signing up. And then they, not only do they all end up signing up, but they end up being great clients. And they were thrilled that there were only three people there because right. they felt like they got a, they had an intimate experience. I mean, right. how much, and this is, this is a broader question. How much does ego play into this? Because, you know, Hey, we're successful in all these other areas, but we stink at speaking or we're successful in all these other areas. And now I got to get up in front of three people. What's up with that? How do we get out of our own head? Is there, are there any techniques you use so that, so that you don't feel that way? I mean, I tell you, from from the time that that I start coaching folks on public speaking, I, I, the the main thing that I try to reinforce over and over and over again is it's not about you. Stop thinking about yourself. Stop thinking about stop thinking about you know whether this is going to be um, embarrassing for you or whatever. Focus on that person that you're communicating with. Focus on the people that are in the audience. Once people start to do that, the nervousness starts to decrease. They start they get they get better at speaking. They get better at presenting because we're customizing this for the for the people that are in that audience. And and I have. You know, I, I mean, we went through this, by the way, with um, with COVID. I don't know how your your company um, did through the whole early stages of COVID, Dave, but I know like like I'm in the meeting business, right? So I we, I get paid when I go out and speak at meetings. I get paid when when um, I when people are having meetings and they have me come in as a as a guest speaker and that kind of mm -hmm. thing. So that's where uh, our income kind of comes from. So when COVID hit, um, we were uh, there were a lot of small businesses that suffered greatly because they had to shut their doors. Not only did we have to kind of shut our doors when everybody else did, but we had like a year's worth of contracts, a year's worth sure. of meetings that that were pre they were pre-sold and prepaid and stuff like that. So we actually had a negative cash flow. And so when um you know about a month or so in after feeling sorry for ourselves for a couple of weeks, we said, okay, well what are we going to do now? What's the how do we how do we kind of fix that? And so we started out doing virtual training sessions. We started it was the only thing that we could do. And um, some of those first few virtual sessions, we had one person show up and we had mm. two people show up and we had three people show up. But some of those turned into some of the biggest clients that we've that we've ever had. And in, in, in a in a <laughs> really downturn in the economy and everything, all of a sudden we've kind of made um, lemons out of lemonade. And and um, I, as, as far as the the motivational aspect of it, you know, how to get pumped up. I, 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 I've never focused on that. I just focus on, Hey, okay, I've only got one person. So, all right, this is a one-on-one -on -one coaching session with me now. And right. I want to help that person as much as I can. This person has now trusted me with her time or his time. How can I make the most, most value of this time for that person? And, and as, as long as I kind of have that mental attitude, I, I think I do pretty well, but between you and I, I mean, I've made a lot of mistakes when, <laughs> when, like when I first started the Leaders Institute, when I first went out on my own, 
I was thinking, okay, well, public speaking seems to be a really good topic for, for folks. So what I'll do is I'll just build it locally here. I'm in the Dallas Fort Worth area, you know, so I'm in, I was on the Fort Worth side of the Dallas Fort Worth Metroplex. And I spent, I don't know, a better part of like three months going to every single business breakfast, every entrepreneur mm-hmm. boot camp, every, I mean, every, I went to every Rotary Club, every Kiwanis Club. And the whole time for three months, I was saying, I'm going to give you a free session to help you reduce public speaking fear here. And I would just hand out, I just handed out um, pamphlets, right? And I bet I handed out maybe 20,000 of these things to, to people. And, and then the night of the event, we had rented out a hotel room and I had, had like a room for like a hundred people. Cause I knew there was going to be standing room only and everything. And, um, you know, five minutes before this thing was going to start, there was this one lady came into the back of the room and she sat down and, Five minutes later, nobody else showed up. And 10 minutes later, it was like 15 minutes in. I'm like, oh, my God, it was just me and this one lady. And uh, she and I just kind of sat down and chatted and talked. And I was I was like, I, I kind of confessed to her. I, said, I had no idea what was going to happen with this thing. You know, it was a free session. We didn't sell tickets or anything like that. And um, by the way, so don't ever do that. Don't ever give away sessions for free without, regist- without some kind of registration process or follow up. Horrible, horrible, horrible thing to do. But that lady, I mean, I'd, I just chatted with her for for an hour or so, and I said, "Hey, I'm, I'm not going to be able to do the full kind of session, but tell me what's going on in your life. Tell me what. Tell me why you, out of all the people that got the pamphlet, why were you the person that that kind of showed up?" And and I just basically did a little one-on-one coaching session with her for about an hour or so. She liked me. Nothing ever came of that. <laughs> By the way, I never got any business from that, but I got practice and I figured out what not to do. And then I did something different the next time. So it was a learning process. And it was one of those things that, okay, now that I know what not to do, I'll do something different next time and maybe get a better result. You know, it's so it's, I, I appreciate you uh, being vulnerable and telling that story. I, I have similar experiences where we did a process and we had registrations and we thought we were going to get 100 people and we got 10. But the session where we got 10, you know, we uh, we knew in advance, we redid the room and my ego took a hit. And I uh, I work with my wife who uh, for these for things like this is much smarter than me. And she said, look, just kill it and try and get everybody to sign up and see what happens. And I gave great value. They got way more than they paid for. And sure enough, in that room full of 10, all 10 ended up signing up for other things. And to this to this day, on a per, you know, on a per attendee basis, that still is, you know, it holds the record as like the most profitable on a per attendee basis, right. most profitable session I've ever done. Now I'll do sessions for 150 people and I get 10 people to sign up and I'm like, oh man, you know, what did I do wrong? When, you know, back then only 10 people in the room, they all say hundred percent. That's ridiculous. It never happens. Right. So look, man, you live, yeah. you live in, you live in, you learn. And I, I think when those kinds of things happen, one of the things I tell myself, see if you have the same experience is look, it's never going to be as bad as it was that time. Right. Right. So I'm not going to I'm not going to be overly concerned about it. I mean, I've done events where people had to fly in and, you know, only one person flew in for the event, regardless of, you know, what was going on externally. And the one person shows up for a two day event and he's the only person. He says, where is everybody else? I said, look, you won. You just got two days alone with me. Normally people would pay twenty thousand dollars for this for whatever you paid to come to this event. You're getting this. You know, for and and you know, people turn around. And by the way, that guy's still a client. 
very yeah. good, you know, very high lifetime value in terms of uh, client uh, relationship value. And he now speaks at some of my events and he tells the story about how he was the only one who came to the event and he was so impressed with me that he's invested all this money over the years. And it's an impressive nice. story. Yeah. Um, so you, you just, you just never know. Now look, yeah. you mentioned something about free sessions. I know you have something for our folks. You were kind enough to set something up as far as a, a free session goes for our folks. Tell us, tell us a little bit about that. Yeah. Okay. So one of the things that we, we figured out very early in the, the whole COVID-19 thing was that people were, were now being forced to meet via virtual meetings, team, zoom, whatever it is, you know, the, um, and most people sucked at it. <laughs> most people weren't really good at it. And so since we had the skills of being able to kind of captivate an audience and get an audience to interact, um, we spent a good part of, you know, maybe a month or two really honing in on how to make your online meetings more effective. And that's really what kind of brought us out of the doldrums of, of COVID. So we, we, I mean, the first time we did a, a, a virtual public speaking class, I had no idea if it was going to work. And it was funny. I called up my, um, one of my top instructors and right afterwards and I said, Amy, you, um, I may never leave the office again. <laughs> like, this is so good. I mean, I don't think I'm going to leave. I may just stay at the office from here on out. That I got better results than I've gotten in my last three or four in-person classes, you know? So, so, and it was because we had figured out how to make the, the sessions more interactive. And so what we did was we created a, like a, a an online mini course on mm -hmm. our website on how to do live online meetings more effectively. So if you're using meetings for marketing, whether that's, and by the way, that could be, um, you know, Facebook Live, LinkedIn Live. It could be, you know, if you're being interviewed for podcast, well, maybe not as much for interviews for podcasts, but at least for, for the, the meetings that are internal for your sessions. And if you're doing sales meetings with, um, with other clients and stuff, then a lot of the things that we kind of cover on that mini course that will be very helpful to, to make your online meetings more effective. So, so basically what we did was, um, one of the, the first session of that is kind of the overview and it tells you what kind of equipment to get and how to, how to look and sound really good and look professional when you're on one of these things. And so we're, we're going to give that away for free to uh, any of your listeners that want to access it. And they can do that by just going oh, wow, to fearlesspresentations.com slash inside dash BS. And that'll take you right to the, the, uh, they don't have to sign up for anything. I'll, there's a video right there. They can watch it. So, oh, fantastic. Thank you. So fearlesspresentations.com forward slash inside dash BS. We're going to put that link in the yep. show notes, um, nice. but you can, you can, you can use it right now if you want to. It's, it's up and it's live right now. Doug, uh, talk a little bit about technology, right? You mentioned, so uh, Zoom, you know, candidly to share with our audience, I'm using new technology. You're the third interview I've done with this technology and I bumbled and stumbled my way through this. Um, tell me a little bit about technology. Uh, technology and technology from the stage and then technology in a virtual uh, in a virtual environment. I hate PowerPoint. Some speaking engagements force me to use PowerPoint. I feel like I got to use PowerPoint in a virtual world so people can follow along. What's your feeling right. on technology? How do you what do you do? How do you use it? <laughs> Oh man. Okay. So that, that's like a, that's a book right there. The answer to that question is kind of a book, but I'll give you kind of the 50,000 foot level answer. Uh, when I, um, because I grew up in the industry, I grew up in the public speaking industry when PowerPoint was brand new and it was the hottest thing 
kind of going. That was, you know, 10 or 15 years after I started speaking, 10 years after I started speaking, that was kind of the, the big thing. Um, I, I got pretty good at using PowerPoint. So the, the, the big challenge that I think that a lot of people have when they use PowerPoint, and probably one of the reasons why you have kind of a resistance to it, is that a lot of people will start by designing their visual aid or their slideshow. And then they try to speak to what's on that slideshow. That's boring, mm -hmm. right? So what I what we train people to do is to start with your speech. Figure out what you want to get across or what the audience really wants to get from you. You know, remember, you have the cookie, so there's no reason to be nervous. You're, you're the one that they came to hear. If they knew what you knew, they'd be up speaking, not you, right? So so basically, when you're designing your presentation, design the the speech first. Design what you're what you're going to say and and make that really audience focused. And then go back and say, okay, what visual aids can I now use to help me uh, get that get those ideas across to the audience? And and if you do that, a lot of times you'll have a, a much better use with whether it's PowerPoint or Prezi or whatever it is that, that you're using. Um, on the digital side, we've had to make a lot of adjustments as digital meetings have, have really come into to focus in the last year or so, especially in that if you're going to be using visual aids on like a, a, a Zoom slideshow or a Zoom meeting or something like that, you, a lot of times what's happening is you're sharing your screen. So when I'm in front of a group, if I'm in person, I'm the focus. They're, they're looking at me and then I'm mm -hmm. calling attention to my visual aid. Right. Um, I, so so you want to be the, the center of attention, not your visual aid on virtual meetings. The exact opposite occurs. And so like when when I'm using visual aids in an in-person meeting, I may use one slide for an hour speech. That's it. Right. It's a, there's not a whole lot on it. There's only three or four or five things. And, and I'm using my my stories and my examples and my analogies and the things that that make me a good speaker as the way to kind of captivate and hold the, the attention of the audience. If I'm doing that virtually, that same speech might have 15 or 20 slides because mm -hmm. you have to constantly be changing up things. You got to constantly be be getting the audience to kind of focus in on that more. And it's uh, it's one of those things that and by the way, that um, going back to the the uh, the live session is one of the thing one of the sessions of that live meeting is to how to design your slideshows and or whatever it is that you're using better. But as far as the, the actual technology goes um, for a meeting, if you're doing like a virtual meeting, I, I'm I've become a big fan of Zoom. I didn't like Zoom when I started, but it, they have done some things that have revolutionized. They are on the forefront of revolutionizing the way that we can communicate over uh, uh, over distance. Anyway, um, the the invention of the breakout rooms on Zoom what, that is just such a fundamental difference to the to making your sessions interactive. It's it's one of those things that before they did that, most presentations that you could do online were one-sided. It was a person mm -hmm. speaking and everybody else listening. Once you kind of got into the breakout rooms, you, you we were now able to kind of break it up to where it's way, 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 way more interactive and, and uh, more interesting for folks. And if you're, if you're not using those breakout rooms, man, you're, you're missing out on a valuable, valuable part of the communication process and, and helping your, your audience really understand the, the, the concepts that you're trying to get across to them. So that's one of the, the biggest changes as far as technology has gone. And some of the, you know, like Teams and some of the other uh, online uh, platforms are now starting to pick up on it and you're starting to see those breakout rooms. But for, for about seven or eight months, it was Zoom where they, was the only one that had it. And as a result, they, they kind of moved up 
in the in the rankings, they passed up some of these big companies like Microsoft and and uh, go to meeting and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. Uh, so give us an example. How would you how would you use a breakout room uh, in a in a presentation? What's what's an example of how to how to make it work? Well, okay. Well, I, I'll, I'll kind of use a couple of examples. One, like for my classes, for instance, one of the things that, you know, if people are nervous speaking in front of a group and you're on, and you're in, even if it's just a small group of, you know, 10 people or so on the meeting mm-hmm. and we say, okay, here, uh, we're going to all introduce ourselves and here, just introduce yourself to the whole group, right? Well, if somebody's nervous, for God's sakes, that's just, that's just <laughs> throwing a, a, a match <laughs> into the, into the, uh, the haystack, right? I mean, that, that, that's not going to reduce nervousness. So what we'll do is um, we can we can break the the ten person group into five two person teams and just say introduce yourself to one person introduce yourself to your partner and they get a chance to kind of run through it practice it so now when we come back and go to the big group and they introduce it's just basically doing what they've already done once so it's an easier way to kind of get people to to um, interact. Um, one of the things that we we started doing we, we um, the other side of my company by the way is we do, like I said, we're a meeting company. So we do team building activities. Mm-hmm. You know, since we have a, you know, a whole staff of fantastic public speakers or no, speakers, companies uh, will hire us to come in and make their two-day convention or three-day convention more interesting or more fun. And so they'll hire us to do an, a team building activity for their, for their groups, right? So we figure out ways to actually make um, team that like team meetings more interactive by using those those breakout rooms. So like we 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 invented a um, an online um, escape room. Oh that you wow! Can do. <laughs> so basically, we we give them an introduction. It's really easy to teach, by the way. You kind of give them an introduction, and then you have got you got twenty people. You send them into four different breakout rooms, and then they have a competition to see who can who can get out of the breakout room the fastest, right? So uh, using the using you know like Google Slides and stuff like that. So um, so I mean, there's all kinds of really cool things. I tell you, one of the one of the activities that we didn't think was going to be. Um, as popular as it is, um, and if you if you, you can do a search on on my website, fearless presentations, look for the nickname game. <laughs> we did a, I did a blog post on it. Basically, what we started doing in 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 um, Zoom meetings a while back was we would um, we would break the break the the big group into partners, and the partners would have to tell their their teammate uh, something that happened to them you know in their childhood or teenage years or college or something like that right so tell a story and then the person who was listening would um would uh would create a nickname for that person based on the story right so like for instance oh, wow. when i did it with somebody i, I kind of talked about when i was in i was like five or six years old and and um i i, I stole some money from my dad I, like he had he had his change on a, on his nightstand you know and i took some quarters from it and you know i kind of told that story and it wasn't really that interesting of a story but the guy who was listening to me all right so you're now doug the bandit standard right so, uh-huh. they, so we made like ufc names you know like 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 boxing names and then they everybody put that in their zoom the zoom name right you can change your zoom name Name. And so basically they put their, their UFC name in the, in parentheses. Oh, and I, I thought that would be, cause it's, you basically, it takes you two minutes to tell a little story, right? So I was figuring it was about a five minute little warm up. 
30 minutes later, people were still asking everybody, oh, so what does the prophet mean? What, what, you know, they're looking at people's nicknames and they're going, what? Okay, you got to tell us the one arm bandit. What, what is that? What, what, wait, what, what's that? What's that nickname? And they were still kind of telling their, their little stories and stuff like that. So it made, um, the people, what happened was the people that were on the, the meeting, there were 50 people on that meeting that probably never would have said anything. They're looking now at what's in parentheses on one of their teammates and they're going, Hey, tell us what that is. And now two people are now interacting with the group that probably never would have said anything in that meeting. So there's all oh, kinds of great. little things that you can do like that to make those, those staff meetings more fun and those uh, online meetings more fun. And, and since most, it, what I'm kind of figuring out is that since most people aren't really good at doing that, when folks like my team are, who are good at that kind of share with the community that they are good at that, then all of a sudden we start getting booked left and right to go and help sure. people do these, you know, hour sessions to make the Zoom meetings more fun and stuff like that. So sure. was, I didn't sure. even expect that. I, mean, I didn't expect that was going to come out of COVID, but it's been a nice little bonus. Yeah. So, Doug, look into your crystal ball and tell us what you think uh, the future of your business is going to look like. Will there always be uh, space for this video training now? Do you think um, do you think this is something that will that will stand the test of time even beyond COVID? So people will come to you for live training or you'll go to them for live training and you're going to supplement with video or people will be video only. What do you think is going to happen? Uh, okay. So I'm seeing, I'm seeing two things that are happening right now. I, I am not, I, I am the worst predictor of the future on the face of the earth. I, I, cause I was the guy that said, yeah, two weeks from now. Okay. We'll do that 14 day thing and we'll all stay at home. And then, and then we'll just go back to normal. Right. So I was, and then I was like, I, I think, man, Doug, okay, I think it'll everybody, last a month. Everybody it'll last, month. It'll last two months. Yeah, it'll, everybody, it'll last, I mean, everybody that, said that though. That was everybody. It wasn't just, okay. you. I was that guy. I'm like, I'm still, I'm still, okay. This is the last time that we're going to have to do this and it's still happening. So, um, so I'm, I'm kind of the worst as prognosticating, but it, I, I can tell you the two things that I'm seeing right now, though. There, there are two different folks that are contacting us. These are the folks that are, that are coming to us and maybe they're, they're looking for training or something like that. One of them is the, the, the one that's a little bit more common now because we've been doing the shutdowns for, you know, better part of a year now. They're the folks that are that are that are that will that will say, "Hey, okay, we've got one single in-person class coming up in Dallas that you can fly into, and then we've got the virtual classes." And and that person will go, "Oh my God, I'm so over virtual. I am so uh, I am never I'm never ever 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 going to be in a Zoom meeting ever again, right?" So that's that's kind of one. Um, I think the majority of people now though are kind of seeing that. You know, as as bad as all this has been, we've become more efficient, right? We, yeah. you know, I think a lot of companies are kind of seeing that. You know, we don't need the big office in downtown New York. We don't need the big office in in downtown Atlanta. We, you know, we, uh, yeah, we're not as as um, uh, as uh, we're, maybe we're we're passing up some of that creativity by having everybody in the room mm -hmm. uh, to um, and batting ideas and everything. But look at the money we're saving, and look at the look at the um, the flexibility and the and the freedom that now my my team has. Um, we as a company, the Leaders Institute, we were a virtual company before we became a 
a, a, a location, right? So, so like when we, for the first, you know, 15 years that I was in business, I, I would hire instructors that were in, you know, major cities and, and we all just kind of worked out of our home. And it wasn't until we, you know, we, we kind of really hit those big growth spurts that we really needed the logistics and we needed the marketing and we needed the, the sales team in one location that we kind of created a, an office. So when, when COVID hit for us, we, we, it, all we did was just kind of do what we did four years ago. So it was, it was not a hard adjustment for us. We, we kind of jumped back in, but um, a lot of companies didn't, um, weren't that, um, they didn't have that option. They, they, so they had to learn how to do some of the stuff that, that um, they'd been doing in their office and do it virtually. And after a year, if they haven't figured out how to do it yet, they're probably going to be in, in really bad shape and their competitors have. So, yeah. Yeah. So I, I, that's, that's kind of what I'm seeing is that I'm, I'm, I really hope that sometime in the next couple months or three months or six months or whatever it is that everything kind of goes back to the, the way that it was. But, uh, but I, I can, I just know from my own personal experience, as far as the virtual conversations and virtual training and virtual classes and how effective some of these have, have been that it's going to be very, very difficult to, to kind of go back. And I think you're going to start seeing different types of hybrid um, activities show up. Um, I, I'll give you a good example. I did um, some coaching with some folks in the UK uh, through December, all the way through December. We were doing um, coaching sessions with them. And um, what I had been used to at the time for that six or eight months, whatever it was that COVID had, had been going on and I was doing virtual coaching was everybody that was on the meeting or had they had their own software or they, they were at their laptop at home or in the office or whatever. Some of them would be in the office, some would be at home. Well, this one, the, the folks that were in the UK, they just met in their team room. You know, there were only three or four of, of in that group. And so mm -hmm. they, I was the one virtual and they were live. And so it was, it was kind of a hybrid. They didn't, they didn't have to pay me to fly to London to, right. to teach the class. They saved a bundle of money and they got, the value of, of having a live class, I could see them. I could see exactly what they were doing. I could hear them, and sure. and it was a it was a, um, a much 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 better value for them than probably what they would have gotten pre COVID. So yeah, yeah, no, it's really really good, really good insight. Thank you. Um, all right, folks. So uh, again, Doug has a special offer for us. If you go to fearlesspresentations.com forward slash inside hyphen bs fearlesspresentations.com forward slash inside hyphen BS. You can see the special uh, session that Doug has set up there. It's free. You don't have to do anything. There's no, no salesperson will call. There's no credit card necessary. Just go watch the video, learn, and then connect with Doug and his team to get over your fear of speaking. Doug, thanks so much. It's been uh, it's been an absolute pleasure having you on the show today. It's fearlesspresentations.com is Doug's website. Doug, is there is there anything coming up that we need to that we need to know about other than the special offer you made for our audience? Yeah, I tell you what, when um, I, I we just did I just did my second in person class uh, in in Dallas since COVID hit, and so I, things are starting to open back up. So um, if you're interested in kind of learning how to overcome public speaking fear. You, you can see a, a calendar of the different classes that we have coming up and, and see there, there may be one coming up in your in your city sometime soon. If not, we got the virtual classes that are really awesome as well. So thanks, Dave. 
All right, folks, we've heard from Doug Stanner today. He helped us get over our fear of speaking, and he's made us a really great offer. Go to fearlesspresentations.com forward slash inside hyphen BS, and you can take it, take advantage of that great offer. This is Dave Lorenzo, and we're here every day with a brand new session for you. We take you inside business strategy, share the insider business secrets, and cut through all the inside BS associated with making a great living and living a great life. Please join us right back here again tomorrow for another session. Until then, here's hoping you, well, make a great living and live a great life. Take care, folks. We'll talk to you tomorrow.